Kia ora, I'm Jessie Chang and today on The Detail... Adults can get their COVID vaccines. Medsafe approved the use of our Pfizer COVID vaccine as a booster dose for people aged 18 and over. Teenagers can get their COVID vaccines. The Director General of Health has revealed students 12 years and older could get their COVID jabs in a school-based vaccination programme. Children can get their COVID vaccines. Doctors and nurses are stocked up, schooled up and bracing for an influx as close to half a million primary school children get ready for a special paediatric dose of the COVID-19 vaccine. But babies and toddlers, well, they can't. The amount of cases that there are just means that, yeah, we, we won't take him out anywhere. If, if we can hold off on him catching it for a while, then, then we will. Children up to the age of nine have made up 11% of infections over the course of the pandemic. That's nearly 50,000 COVID-19 cases. But unlike other age groups, under fives can't get the vaccine, they can't wear masks, and they're heavily dependent on others. How can we protect our youngest population and is enough being done? It is concerning that we're, we're heading into winter and the strategy has been opening the windows for ventilation, particularly for the under five-year-olds. That becomes a lot harder to deal with when the weather is too awful to go outside and it's too awful to open windows. You get nine months or a bit less to kind of mentally prepare yourself, but you don't really know what you're getting yourself into. (laughs) That's Reuben Saunders and his wife, Catherine, an Auckland couple who's just become first-time parents after welcoming their son, Caleb, into the world last month. He's doing really well. He feeds really well, but he wants to always feed. Yeah, he's put on a kg in three weeks. Oh, my goodness. Yes. (laughs) So, yeah, Um, getting's going good. Sleep. Some yeah. sometimes he's really good and he'll sleep for like five hours, mm. but then other times he just won't sleep. And is there anything that surprised you the most about being parents? Everyone tells you, oh, it's, it's so much work, but yeah, like the amount of stuff that you have to do that's baby related. All yeah, like everyone tells you how hard it is and you know it. And then once you experience it, you're like, oh, yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> and, I mean, I guess being first-time parents is hard enough as it is, but both of you have to navigate that with COVID um, and not even COVID in 2020 or 2021 where we're seeing at the max hundreds of cases a day. You know, right now we're seeing tens of thousands of cases a day. How how are you guys feeling? I guess it's been around long enough that the babies or kids don't make up a huge number of the cases so that makes you feel a bit better and I guess with a newborn anything that they catch can be bad for them so I guess we we kind of feel like uh yeah it's not so much of course we're worried about COVID but we're also worried about other things it's just added to the list and so yeah once he's had his shots his six-week shots and that type of thing I think would feel a whole lot better about taking him out places. And I guess the the studies are there. Apparently all of the antibodies and stuff get passed through to mm-hmm. him from Catherine. Boston researchers found moms vaccinated against the coronavirus do pass along antibodies to their babies in utero and through breastfeeding. 
They also found the immune response was stronger from the vaccine than from a natural infection happening during pregnancy. So I had my first two vaccines when I was pregnant. And then I got my booster last week and he got the antibodies through the breast milk from the booster. So we've done our part and we've done what, what we can to protect him. So he's not completely helpless, but obviously still, he's only three weeks old. <laughs> so he doesn't have much of an immune system. But then we also have to think about, he needs to build an immune system. So we don't want to keep him locked away forever because then he won't build an immune system. But we do have to be careful and protect him while we can. Yeah, I don't think we're too worried, but the amount of cases that there are just means that yeah, we, we won't take him out anywhere. If, if we can hold off on him catching it for a while, then then we will. Yeah, we, we're not going to take him to a church service for probably another month or so at least, just because there are so many people around. It would be the same with taking him to, like, the shopping centre at Manukau or Botany or, or something. We, we won't do that. Yeah, it's hard to track with people. If it's a smaller amount of people, we can yeah, ask if they've, who they've been around or where they've been. And if we can ask if they're vaccinated, <laughs> you yeah, can control it a bit better if it's less people. Does that mean at the moment you're, you know, kind of limiting your contact with other people? Yeah, yeah, so only Ruben's been going out. He goes to the grocery store. I haven't been out in public, really, and just having family at the moment, visiting. Do you think preschool might actually be a harder time? I guess so, because then mm. you're you're basically outsourcing to the childhood centre who can have contact to your kid, right? You don't have a say about who they're hanging out with or what class they're put in or what other kids they're playing with. So. When he's a baby and he's with us, we control who sees him. And with a daycare or childcare, or it's the same with school, I guess, right? Like you, you have zero control. Do you feel like parents they've been given the correct information about the seriousness of COVID for kids? No, I don't. I think there's been a lot of um, focus around that it, it, it can be quite mild and and I think there hasn't been so much discussion around some of the rare effects, and they are rare, and then some of the unknowns, some of the unknowns about the long-term effects. Dr Julie Bennett is a Senior Research Fellow at Otago University's Department of Public Health. She says, yes, COVID-19 is less severe in under fives compared to older age groups. And yes, Omicron is less severe than Delta. But saying that it is less severe, there will be some children who will be hospitalised. These um, hospitalisations, they are usually fairly short, around two to three days. And they're usually for things like dehydration, croup and coughing. According to the Ministry um, of Health information, around 7% of all cases um, being hospitalised at the moment are for children under the age of 10. However, um, there are some emergency departments reporting that there are more children um, coming through their um, emergency departments than what is reported um, in those hospitalisation numbers. And these hospitalisations are probably going to be inequitable. They're more likely to be in Māori children and Pacific children and in those children who come from families with less resources. 
Well, I think we know um, from overseas that we've seen younger children in, the, in Omicron outbreaks are the ones that are predominantly being affected by the Omicron wave. So there is higher proportions of these children than have ever um, been infected with um, previous variants in America. The hospitalization of children is soaring to a record high. Pediatric hospitalizations are at the highest rate compared to any prior point in the pandemic. Sadly, we are seeing the rates of hospitalizations increasing for children zero to four, children who are not yet currently eligible for COVID-19 vaccination. They had, I think it was 15.6 per 100,000 was the rate, and that's in the zero to four-year-olds. It's the highest of any COVID admissions into hospital. So that's in America, and I guess the same, the same thing has been seen throughout Europe and the UK and in other um, OECD countries that have have seen Omicron before us. And just recently in Australia... Tragically, a previously well two-year-old from Sydney died at the Children's Hospital in Westmead due to COVID-19. Dr Julie Bennett is concerned for under fives. There are some very rare but longer-term effects in children. One of those is um, multi-system inflammatory syndrome, um, which can be very serious. And although this does normally occur in slightly older children and primary school age children, there is the, um, also the risk and the concern that young children will pass this on, particularly to family members or on staff at early childhood education centres, just because of the way that children interact and need to be close. And, and there, so there is more um, likelihood that they will pass it on to those around them. There's also other concerns, um, I guess, with um, small children. There is the risk of co-infection. So with our borders reopening, we will most likely see other infections coming through the borders, such as, you know, flu, which we haven't seen for a few years now, and some other respiratory illnesses. Like RSV, which spread across the country last winter. Our hospitals are facing an emergency. They're being overwhelmed with babies needing intensive care for a respiratory virus. You can have COVID and another infection, and this maybe make the situation worse for small children. There's also some um, concerns for young children about the impact of uh, long COVID in, in children. There's not much known on this yet, and we know that adults um, and some adults, um, long COVID can be a problem where they go on for uh, long periods of time with fatigue and headaches and, and other variable symptoms. And we're still really learning about this and the impacts of this in, in young children. Um, there's also there's potential you know, concerns around the impacts of other chronic conditions, any sort of damage to the heart and lungs and brain and, and what the long-term effects of that might be. Do you feel like this situation for children under five has been been canvassed enough by the government but also by the general public? The government has done done some things. In early childhood education, the Ministry of Education has provided some um, advice to early childhood education um, centres on ventilation. It's been less practical than some of the support that has been provided for schools. So in schools there's been, um, for older children, there's been layers of protection in terms of, you know, vaccinations for staff and encouraging vaccinations and children who are um, eligible and they've also had a supported ventilation strategy and the requirement to wear masks from year four and up and for staff and they've also 
doing cohorting in schools and schools of with older children are able to go to online learning as well. So I guess um, early childhood education centres differ and that may be because there's a wide variety of them. They are all different building types. You have kindergartens that have morning sessions. You have full-time daycare centres. And these are also businesses, and so they differ from schools. So they are a harder environment to um, give advice to. However, under the red traffic light setting, it is recommended that children under five are kept home. And there has been funding provided for children who permanently attend an early childhood centre. The funding, if they are not attending, that funding is still um, going to the Early Childhood Education Centre. And I guess most advice in of recent times in the COVID um, prevention side has focused on mask use and vaccines. Two things that these kids can't do. <laughs> Correct. And so any advice has, um, has not focused directly on the under fires because they can't be vaccinated and they, and they aren't able to wear masks. With the mask wearing... In the United States, the CDC has recommended mask wearing for students over the age of two while indoors. Has there been any discussions in New Zealand for something like that? Not not that I'm aware of. Um, I also uh, I'm aware that the uh, World Health Organization recommends from the age of five. I think there has been concerns around, well, number one, safety for, you know, an under two-year-old, you've got a risk of smothering and and it's just not practical. And there's um, also concerns around that children very much learn from communication with faces and interaction. So there's been concerns around sort of developmental delays if teachers are wearing masks and if the children themselves are wearing masks that they won't be able to communicate uh, properly. But I think this is an area that definitely needs some more thought on and and some more, you know, practical. What What is practical? Is it, is it actually, how does a three-year-old cope with having a mask on? So what needs to be done to best protect our youngest and arguably most vulnerable age group? We can have mask use in adults who are around them, you know, good quality masks for staff to keep staff safe as well and for parents and caregivers who are dropping their children off to, you know, early childhood education. Uh, there also needs to be more focus on, on ventilation, you know, without vaccination and the children able to wear masks, we, we need to focus on what we can do to keep them safe. And, and more focus potentially on keeping children home from early childhood education centre when it is able to be done so, and it's very much acknowledged that not everybody can do this, but particularly this is important for those aged under one. And those children that do need to continue going to early childhood education, they should be um, are playing outside as much as they can and ensuring that centres have all their windows open, getting as much outdoor air inside because the virus is airborne to try and essentially dilute down if there is any virus in the air. And then ensuring um, if you can't achieve that ventilation or it's really cold and you can't open the windows and you need more heating, that those things are supported and provided and air purification units might be needed in these places. I also think there could be um, more advice 
given around how to keep children safe in other settings like indoor playgrounds or taking your child to the supermarket and other sort of social settings. And potentially there could be a lot more advice around what do you do if your child does get COVID and how do you try and stop any onward transmission within the household? Because there may be other people in the household who are more at risk of um, serious infection. It's interesting, like all the things that you have mentioned in terms of ventilation and that kind of thing. We've been lucky that we've been in summer in our peak so that, you know, it's okay to open windows and things like that um, because we probably need to anyway because it's so hot. But when it comes to winter and it gets colder, I guess that's another complication. Yes, that's correct. And um, I, I guess it's something that I am really concerned about. I, I think it's, it's very difficult to try and maintain heat when you have all the windows open and it might require a, a greater you know, more heaters, more heat and energy costs, and um, there needs to be some thought around that. And if it isn't possible to be able to maintain the heat and have ventilation, then we need to consider other ways of being able to clean the air with things like air purifiers. 5,000 portable air cleaners are on the way for schools, but they won't land in time for the start of the school year. Just 500 are expected to arrive by March, with the rest to be delivered three months later. Has the government mentioned anything about having air purifiers, especially for, you know, early childhood centres? From my understanding, they have um, brought some air um, purifiers for schools and I believe that supply chain has now been opened up so that early childhood education centres can purchase their own air purifiers. And the same thing for carbon dioxide monitors so they can um, supply, they can utilise the supply chain of those same carbon dioxide monitors so that they can try and assess what their ventilation is like and, and can they have good ventilation within their centres. It is concerning that we're we're heading into winter and the strategy has been opening the windows for ventilation and particularly for the under five-year-olds. That becomes a lot harder to deal with when the weather is too awful to go outside and it's too awful to open windows or um, it's just not possible. So I think we're, we're a bit behind in terms of our protective measures. And here's Dr Julie Bennett's advice for parents of young children. If it is possible to keep your children home from early childhood education, then I would recommend to do that. And if it's not possible, then to, I guess, ensure that the centre that they are attending is, is taking things like ventilation seriously, that the staff are wearing good quality masks, that they are trying to get the children to play outside, that they're doing, I guess, everything that they can to try and prevent infection. I guess probably the only other thing that I would want to say is that right now I know that there are lots of families and lots of people out there who are um, ill with COVID. And I, I guess I just want to acknowledge that they might have taken all of the preventive measures that they could and they still became ill and... I guess I just want to acknowledge that you you can only do the best that you can do, but this doesn't mean that we shouldn't try and prevent getting COVID. But for those people who have already become ill with COVID, 
it, you know, it is a very infectious disease and it is through um, most likely no fault of the other. That's it for today. I'm Jessie Chang. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and is a joint newsroom and RNZ production. You can download us free to your mobile phone every weekday on any podcast platform. Adrian Holley engineered this episode, Sarah Robson produced it, and thanks to Catherine and Ruben Saunders and Dr Julie Bennett. Matewa.